This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. We continue our look at the top quarterbacks in this year's draft class with an in-depth look at Washington's Michael Penix Jr. That's coming your way next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the promo code in all lowercase letters, locked on NFL, to get a first deposit match up to $100. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked on Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Traina, credentialed member of the New York Giants media for Locked On and, of course, for Giants country over at Fan Nation. And I want to send a big welcome to my everydayers, my Blue Crew community members, my newcomers, and everybody in between. You guys are all appreciated and loved by yours truly. And on today's Locked On Giants podcast, we are continuing our look at the top college prospects at quarterback in this NFL draft that's coming up. And on today's show, we're going to take a look at Michael Penix Jr. of the Washington Huskies. And who better to talk about Michael Penix Jr. than our colleague over at Locked on Huskies. He is Roman Tomashoff, and he's going to tell us everything we need to know about Penix and then some. So Roman, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Well, I'm excited to learn more about Penix Jr. And I think Roman, we've got to start off with, um, I guess, some of the injuries that he's had. You know, I think that's a big concern um, amongst people who have been following the quarterbacks and whatnot. What can you tell us about his recent injury history and has that really affected him, do you think, in his development? So it it definitely took a toll on him during his time at Indiana. The nice thing about making the move to Washington like he did before the 2022 season was that Mike went from just, you know, standard subpar offensive line to one of the best offensive lines in the country. During his two years at Washington, he was only sacked 15 times, which was a huge part of keeping him healthy, keeping him upright. And Washington's offensive line won the Joe Moore award this past season as the best offensive line group in the country. So it you, you really kind of saw what Mike was always meant to be, where you look at games that he had, like, for example, down at the Sugar Bowl in, in New Orleans. I've never seen a quarterback have just that level of a locked-in performance at, at any level of football. He was co- just controlling the game at, at a level that I've never seen with accuracy, with touch, with everything that you needed. He he showed why he deserves to be, in my opinion, a top 20 pick at the very least. But 
I, I would say to, 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 to your original question that, yeah, during his time at Indiana with two shoulder injuries, two ACL injuries, that it really did hamper him. And that's why, you know, you see some of these questions come out about his age and just saying, oh, well, he's, you know, 23, 24 years old by the time he's a rookie. Uh, is, is that something that's going to be a problem? Where, no, I think it just kind of gives him an extra level of experience uh, to, to, that he'd bring to whatever NFL roster he ends up on. In terms of, you know, let's backtrack a little bit, because for those who maybe aren't as familiar with Washington and the type of offensive system they run, what do they run and what, where did um, Penix really excel in? So Michael Penix, he, because it's, so Washington runs, to, let, let's go step by step there, where Washington runs a very interesting, it's not a, a true air raid style offense, as some might like to say, where they're still going to put the ball in Mike's hands 40, 45, even 50 times a game sometimes, because when you have not only Michael Penix, but Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, and Jalen Polk, who all could be off the board by the end of day two in this NFL draft, you're going to want to make sure that you utilize that to the best of your ability. where. Washington's offense, they love to take shots. They'll run a little bit of play action here and there. And this year they relied heavily on Dylan Johnson, thanks to some injuries at the running back position where a, little, a lot more fell onto to Mike's shoulders as, as the season went on. But it was really just this attacking downfield. You want to take a lot of shots. You want to utilize your playmakers to the best of your ability kind of roles. And if it's not there, check it down kind of kind of offense where in, in a very interesting style, it kind of is his read progression was back to front in, in a certain way where a lot of times the first read was Roma Dunze down the sideline or Jalen Polk deep over the middle where it's, it, it was, I don't, I don't want to say it's based off of shot plays, but that was definitely a very big part of the offense. What about, you know, his ability to improvise? You know, obviously things are not always going to be perfect in the pocket and whatnot. Things are going to break down. A receiver's going to run the, the wrong route or whatever. I know it doesn't happen very often for Washington, but how has he been with improvising? So he's really developed at getting outside of the pocket and finding ways to make throws. Something that I noticed that he really improved on from last season to this season is making throws from different arm angles where that was something that in 2022, we didn't really see a whole lot of that. And then over this past season, he definitely matured a lot in that aspect where it's, he, he doesn't necessarily throw on the move very much where you'll, you'll see it every now and again, like in the USC game, he made a fantastic throw to tight end Devin Culp for a touchdown where you see it at times where that would be the perfect, like perfect example of what happens on a play. And then everything goes right for him when, when, when things still break down, but he's really good at something that um, offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb was also really good at, at coaching him on was if it's not there, don't force it, just throw it away. A, a throwaway is totally fine. It's totally acceptable in our offense because we understand that we would rather throw it away and have another chance than, you know, th make a tough throw and it gets intercepted. What about buying times with his legs? Is, is he much of a scrambler or is that just really not part of his game? It, it hasn't really been a huge part of his game where there are a couple factors there. Obviously, as we talked about with the injuries, that's that's going to be a big portion where Washington's offense and the coaching staff especially understood, hey, we want to keep this guy safe at all costs. We want to make sure we have him every single way, every single game, every single snap, just the whole nine yards with that. So he wasn't necessarily asked to do it a whole ton where in the sugar bowl, he showed that he can run a little bit if need be. He had three carries for 31 yards, I believe on a couple of just design read option sort of plays where, you know, the defense isn't necessarily looking for him to, to run away. So he was able to pull it down and pick up eight, nine yards on a couple of different plays, but 
I wouldn't say it's necessarily a huge part of what he's asked to do, but as we saw during the senior bowl where he got up to 19 miles an hour as, as a ball carrier, it's something he's able to do. And in the right system, I think he would be, it wouldn't necessarily be wise to give him four or five design carries a game, but you know, if a play breaks down, I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to go pick up five, six, seven yards with his legs at times. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. He's a lefty, right? That's correct. So how is, how have they had to change the offense? You know, obviously, you, you know, you talk about the blind side protection, which in yeah. the NFL is typically right. I'm sorry, the left tackle for, for a right-handed quarterback. But nowadays you see defenses lining up their best, uh, going for matchups more so than, you know, sure. best pass rusher against the left tackle. But how have they benefited from having a lefty in, in panics, the offense? Uh, you can tell that it definitely, the defense is a little, you know, confused by just what they're looking at at times because you practice against right-handers all week. And then all of a sudden, oh, there's a lefty out there where, you know, every once in a while you'd see that. I wouldn't necessarily say that it was the biggest factor in terms of, of either side of the ball where every once in a while you see, oh yeah, oh, they're not used to a guy rolling out in the other direction. But one thing that, that made this really effective for Washington is both their bookend tackles were just absolutely phenomenal this season. And Troy Fautano on the left side and Roger Rosengarten on the right side, where both of those guys truly were interchangeable, where they definitely kept Troy on the left side and Roger on the right side. But if need be, having two guys like that where we might see both their names off the board by the end of round two, with having both those guys out there, it definitely made Michael Penix's life a lot easier. And it didn't necessarily say mean, oh, okay, well, we're going to have to flip Troy from the left side to the right side and try to find somebody to fill in left tackle. Or having both those guys not only playing, you know, just for the majority of the season, but neither of those guys missed a start over Michael Penix's two years at Washington. So having those those two out there really made his life a lot easier and just the coaching staffs too. Hey, Giant fans, you know, some days I get so incredibly busy that I just don't have time to cook or to run out to round the corner to pick something up for lunch. Thanks to DoorDash, I don't have to. DoorDash brings me everything I want, whether it's from a local eatery or a national chain store. I've even used DoorDash to get incidentals delivered from pharmacies and local convenience stores. And when I'm really in a pinch, groceries. DoorDash is fast, easy, and convenient. Just download their app, Find the establishment from which you want to order and select from the menu options. You'll get what you ordered or they will make it right. And right now, new customers can get 50% off up to a $10 value on their first order of $15 or more when they download the app and enter the promo code LOCKED23. Give DoorDash a try today and see just how easy it is to get what you want when you want it. That promo code again for 50% off up to $10 on any order of $15 or more is Lock 23. Offer subject to change, term supply. Hey, Giant fans. Quick withdrawals, easy game plan, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. But did you also know that Prize Picks offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured? That's right. Now you don't have to worry if your football and basketball players exit the game early only to return later on because that player is rebooted. That makes Prize Picks the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Prize Picks gives you the chance to pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League that was created specifically for combo projections featuring two or more players from different sports or leagues. 
Prize Picks is so easy to play. Just pick two or more players, predict their stats, and sit back and see how they perform. And best of all, it takes less than 60 seconds to make an entry. So what are you waiting for? Go to prizepix.com slash NFL and use the promo code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com slash NFL. And that promo code is NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Roman, let's talk about some of the intangibles that Panix brings to the, to the table. First off, what is he like in the locker room? What kind of teammate is he? Mike is a fantastic leader. You will never hear a bad word about him from anybody that you talk to, whether it be the coaching staff, whether it be the players, whether it be us members of the media as well, where he's a really respectful kid. He, 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 he takes the, the lead by example, I would say, where he's not necessarily the most vocal guy as 2023 went along. He definitely kind of fell into some habits and in interviews in terms of being, you know, a future NFL quarterback where he's not going to give you too much, but you can just see from the way his teammates interact with him and the way he is just around them that they are all drawn to him and they would all go to war for this guy any day of the week. One of my, my favorite clips that a friend of mine pointed out that went viral on Twitter after the, the first Oregon game is when Oregon was driving down the field with less than six minutes to go, Michael Penix and Jalen McMillan are sitting over on the sidelines and Michael Penix was freestyle rapping about making the comeback that then he went out there and did in two plays. So he's, he's just that kind of guy where he's got that moxie. He's got that, that confidence in him where, if a big play knows to be uh, that needs to be made, Michael knows that he can make that play. What about, you know, you think of the New York market. It's it's a big market. It can eat a person up alive. What about his temperament? How do you think he might do in the New York market if he were to land here? I, I think that the New York market wouldn't necessarily be a huge challenge for him where he's somebody who he's very reserved in terms of his personal life. He's not, you know, this big flamboyant going to go all out on, on anything kind, kind of player where he works really hard. And one, one thing about Mike is overcoming all the injuries that he has in his career. He understands what it takes to get to that point where he's not somebody who's ever going to see his name caught up in the headlines for the wrong reasons, where he's done some really great charity work with Kenny Mayne and he's done all these other things to just kind of say, all right, this is the kind of person that I am off the field. And no matter what market, even, even the New York market wouldn't necessarily sway him from what it is that makes him who he is. When you look at the injuries that he's had, how what kind of development have you seen in him as far as how he maintains his body now and maybe changes that you've noticed that have helped him in his game? So I think one of the biggest changes that he was able to go through was actually just making the move to Washington, where when he came in with Coach Kalen DeBoer, one guy that was really important for DeBoer to bring in was strength coach Ron McKeefrey. And Ron McKeefrey is widely regarded as one of the best strength coaches in college football. He turned down pro jobs. He turned down uh, professional baseball jobs as well to stay with Kalen DeBoer at Washington. And over his time there, he did a really great job with not just Michael Panix, but with the entire roster, turning them into just much better athletes and making making injuries a little bit easier for them to recover from. Just all these different things where he just brought in a whole new treatment regiment. He brought in a whole new strength and conditioning regiment. And we saw this, this year was a little, little tough where we saw a couple guys go down with season ending injuries before it even began. But as the season went along, you saw Washington just continue to hang tough and continue to be an incredibly physical team, which 
didn't necessarily seem to affect their bodies too much, even playing in a 15-game season this year. At the next level, I'm sure there's going to be something that the coaches are going to work with him on. Where do you think he needs to really beef up his game when, when he gets to the NFL? So one thing that shows up a lot on tape, and it's not necessarily so much a product of him than it is of the system, is he needs to be better about working over the middle of the field where the way Washington's offense was utilized, and especially this year where they were without Jalen McMillan for nearly two months, Mike, he didn't necessarily avoid the middle of the field, but the way plays were called and the way certain things were drawn up, he wasn't asked to utilize it a whole ton. And it's something where when you have guys like Roma Dunze and Jalen Polk on the outside who you throw it up and it's not really a 50-50 ball, more often than not, you're going to see them come down with it you don't necessarily have to worry about it too much in fairness. So that's something where at the NFL level, you know, you're going to need to get much stronger over the middle. There's a, a an old saying um, that we talk about. I'm sure you talk about it also at, at the college level that you can either win with a guy or in spite of a guy, which sure. side of the fence does Michael fall on? Mike is a, you can win with this guy. Because we we just saw him transcend the offense at so many different times where having somebody like Roma Dunze, who made so many plays this year, is fantastic. But he doesn't make some of those plays without Michael Penix throwing him open at times. Where there are some plays where it's, oh, wow, Roma Dunze went up and made a fantastic grab there. But there are some where it's, wow, Michael Penix threw a fantastic ball. And we saw that at so many different points this year. The first Oregon game where he had to lead that comeback with under two minutes to go the second Oregon game, uh, Washington state, Oregon state, where there are so many different times this season where Michael has been the guy to help lead a comeback, where he has been the one to spark that with a fantastic throw with just being who he is on the sideline. There are so many different things that you can point to and just say, Michael Penix is somebody that you can win because of. In terms of, you know, the core traits of a quarterback, you know, you talk about processing, which is a big thing, processing what you see before the snap, processing what you see after the snap. How is he in both of those areas? So I think that he's he he's gotten a lot better at that over time. And I, I think that Mike pre-snap, he gets a lot of help from sometimes the the offense that Washington runs where there's so much pre-snap motion involved where sometimes it becomes really easy for him to point out and identify things. And I know, you know, obviously the NFL runs a whole lot of motion as well, but I would say that that's something that's helped him out where post-snap, he does a really good job of identifying coverages. But at the same time, one, one thing that I've noticed from him over the last couple of years is there are some times where he'll identify the correct, the correct defense post-snap, but will become somewhat overconfident in his arm. And he'll a, a couple of great examples that I can point to are from 2022 film where being against UCLA and against Oregon being the two big ones where he identified the Oregon one is, is one of my favorites to identify the, the positives and negatives of Michael's arm strength, where there's a play where he shoots it over the top of a linebacker into one of the tight ends for 10, 12 yard gain identifies the same defense later on. I believe it's on the next drive, but it's down a lot closer to the end zone. So the defense is a lot more compressed. He sees the same thing, makes the same throw, but there's a linebacker sitting right there, but he just has a little bit too much confidence in his arm where the reads are usually correct, but every once in a while he'll just try to force a ball where it shouldn't be. 
So he's a bit of a risk taker, you would say? He's he's definitely a risk taker from time to time where a lot of times it pays off for him because of the touch he has, because of the arm strength that he has. But every once in a while, you'll see him make a throw and it'd be like, oh, well, it turns into an interception. You say, why did he make that throw? And you go back and you watch it on film. You say, oh, okay, this is probably what he sees. And you can usually chalk it up to something that he saw earlier in the game as well. Now, normally I don't like to do pro comparisons because I don't think they're totally fair to, to the these young prospects. But to give Giant fans an idea of who he might compare to, you know, even if it's just like a, a variety of quarterbacks, whose game would you say Michael's uh, res- mostly resembles? So this is really tough, especially being a left-handed quarterback. You know, I feel like he gets pigeonholed into a certain just – category sometimes where it's, Oh, well, you know, is he Tua or is he Steve young, which is ridiculous. Cause that's, that's not at all where I'd go with this. I'd actually go with somebody who wears the same Jersey Jersey number as him. I'd go with Matthew Stafford personally, where he's a gunslinger. He's a risk taker where a lot of times you're going to say, wow, that was an incredible throw. And sometimes you're going to look at the throw that he made and just say, Oh, I, I see what you did there. It didn't necessarily work out the way that you wanted it to. And especially when he has the right support around him, which is something that when I look at where he's going to go in the NFL draft is my number one thing for him is, is he going to have a good offensive line? Is it, and is he going to have a solid at best receiver core where it doesn't necessarily have to be top tier like it was at Washington, but if it's somewhat middle of the road, like we saw with Matthew Stafford for so much of his time in Detroit, where it was never elite having Calvin Johnson always help things. But when you saw him go to a system that truly fit him in Los Angeles, you saw what he turned into where I would say that that's what I think Michael Penix should be just kind of at his peak at the NFL level. Sometimes quarterbacks tend to favor one or two receivers, their go-to guys, if you will. And I would imagine, you know, Washington has a couple of good, you know, very good receivers there. Did you notice that evolve in, in Michael's game or, or is he the type who, you know, was just as comfortable throwing to maybe the wide receiver five on the team as he was the wide receiver one? Oh, absolutely. He's, he's the kind of guy where he'll always look for who's open, where there are certain plays where it's going to be, all right, I'm going to chuck it up because I know Roma Dunes, I could come down with this ball. But there are a lot of times where you see him work in whoever it might be, the tight ends, the running backs, uh, Giles Jackson, wide, the right wide receiver five this past season, where you, he'll work in everybody to a certain extent, where there were a lot of games uh, last season early on where he'd complete passes to eight, nine, sometimes 10 different receivers over the course of a game. So yeah, Roma Dunze is always going to find a way to get six, seven, eight catches, but he's not afraid to spread the ball around. If you're building an offense around Michael Panix Jr., what are some of the elements that are just non-negotiable that you've got to have in order for him to be successful? The first thing is a strong offensive line. It is a, there, I, I would say there's a very significant gap between one and whatever the next thing would be because getting a strong offensive line is going to be far and away the biggest issue for him. If you can find a strong line, he's going to find a way to succeed. And then I would say the second thing would probably be a reliable number one pass catcher that he knows he can turn to if things break down. And then right behind that, I would say is a strong play call where having a running game would be nice, but we saw Washington's run game struggle at points early on the season and Mike was able to just kind of look at that and say, yeah, it's fine. I can still go out and find a way to make this work. So just finding somebody who's going to put him in the best position to succeed with a really strong offense. Those would be probably my top three things in order. What about for the system? You mentioned, I think earlier that they sort of run kind of like an air raid system. I mean, what kind of offense would you say pro style? I mean, spread what, what, what do you think he would best excel in at the next level? 
I think putting him in a spread offense would probably be best, but in terms of everything that he's learned over his time at Washington, I, I would be confident to put him anywhere because Washington, because with Washington, it's not that true air raid where they're still willing to give it up to Dylan Johnson was the running back for the majority of this year, 20, 25 times a game where that's still okay. That's still a big part of this offense, but he did run on just out of the gun mainly. So I would say that the, pre, the, the spread would work best for him, but I wouldn't have any questions about him translating to, to any offense really. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes all we need is the opportunity to get something off our chest. Big or small, certain things can really start to get to you. So it's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased about your life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOn to get 10% off your first month. All right, now be honest with me because nothing is ever perfect. What concerns would you have with Michael making the jump from college to the next level for his first season? Uh, it's it, really, it's, it, it comes back to the offensive line again for me, where having that offensive line at Washington helped, I wouldn't say cover so many issues, but made his life so much easier. Where let's talk about the Giants, for example, where I would have a lot of concerns about that in particular, where it's we've seen his body break down before. We saw what happened in the national championship game when he was getting hit over and over and over again. It looked like his rib was bugging him there towards the end of the game where if that's, that's the kind of system that he gets plopped into where, you know, you look around at some of these other offensive line, like the Chicago bears. I, I was doing a show with somebody that covers the bears the other day where it's the same kind of thing where it's, if, Michael is not in a position where he's going to have a, a competent at best offensive line around him where it's, it's at the very, very worst middle of the road where he's going to have a couple seconds to throw the ball. I would have some concerns. Everything else outside of that, I think that he's very capable of figuring it out. Realistically speaking, if he were to be drafted by the Giants or, or any team for that matter, is he a day one starter? Do you think he would need a little bit of a transition period? to get up to that point. I think it's so if let's say what, cause I like, I have a couple of fits for him in mind where I think he'd fit best with the Minnesota Vikings. That's, that's one that I'm, I'm really eyeing personally. Uh, but I think that in just saying whatever offense it is, you have to plop him in as a day one starter. I would think that that's something he would be fine with where he's got enough experience under his belt. He's seen enough over his time in college that he wouldn't necessarily have a huge issue making that jump. Do you think he would be a fit for the Giants and the offense they run? I, I think that it could work. I, I I do think it could work. I think that there would have to be a couple of things that need to be changed where, you know, you look at what Daniel Jones does and he he has that that design run element of it all. I I would just, in that case, I would just question who's going to put around him. Do you invest really heavy in a receiver at the top of day two? There are a whole lot of different ways that you can take that. Like, do you go out and spend on a, on a guy like T Higgins, for example, to say, all right, we're going to invest in this guy really heavily. Let's go get him a one, a kind of receiver. So I would say that, you know, if some of those things go right and, you know, let's say you do sign a T Higgins and then you draft Mike at six, 
do you go with, say, a Jordan Morgan out of Arizona at the top of round two to really help solidify the offensive line? There are a whole lot of different ways that you could play that. And I think that that's something that you could work out and, and it could definitely work out. Yes. I, I don't remember if you if you covered this, so I apologize if I repeat this, but did they do a lot of RPOs and, and zone reads in Washington for him to run? They they definitely did. They they do it in their own kind of interesting way where a lot of the RPO stuff uh, that Washington liked to run would have a wide receiver screen involved, which is really interesting, where Dylan Johnson this year, he was fantastic. He racked up over 1,100 yards. And the RPOs that Washington ran uh, one one example that they that they had was in the Sugar Bowl where they had a, a kind of a triple read RPO where it had the run option. Mike had his own run option was the one he took a couple of times. And then there was also a screen waiting out on the perimeter. So they, they definitely ran that. And that's the nice thing where you ask if, you know, he progressed really well as a day one starter. If you could do that, where Ryan Grubb threw so many complex things at him as just just saying, all right, I trust you as a fifth and sixth year senior to be able to run this effectively. And he did it all very well. With the combine coming up, I'm assuming he's going to go. I don't know if he's going to necessarily work out, you know, because of any injuries or concerns or anything like that. But what do you think he needs to do to convince teams that he is a top, you know, a first round type of pick? I think it's just making sure the medicals are okay. We've seen some reports coming out in recent days that that they are, that they check out, but getting that final say, because we all know we prop up the combine as, as you know, as, as we have for so many years now, if he gets that okay at the combine saying, all right, yeah, we're not really concerned about this long-term. There's a couple of freak accidents that might've happened that, that caused the ACL or that caused the shoulder. If he gets that thumbs up, I think that there's no question he should be at least a top 15 pick. And then final question for you. I always like to ask this because I like to learn more about the person as well. What is, what's something you can tell us about Michael Penix, you know, that maybe isn't as well known outside of the Washington community? So I think one of, one of the, the, the best things that I like to point to is it goes back to him as a teammate, like you asked earlier, where I remember it was after the Tulsa game this year, Washington blew out an inferior opponent as you know, most, most FBS teams do early on in the season. And my, so we asked Michael who threw five touchdown passes that day. So what, what was, what was your favorite throw of the day? It was like just a favorite touchdown, favorite play, whatever it might've been. And he said, yeah, when Dylan Morris, the backup came in and threw a touchdown, that was my favorite play of the day. So that's, that's just the kind of kid that he is. He's, he's fantastic. And whatever NFL team ends up with Michael Penix is getting just a, a truly fantastic individual. Sounds like a really good individual too. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how the quarterback ball board falls. And, you know, I, I don't know if it Penix, I don't think he's being mentioned right now as the top three, but certainly he's in that next tier, I would think. Definitely where it's, yeah, it's at the, the pet, excuse me, the Williams may Daniels mix. And then, you know, you can kind of feel about how you will about Penix, Knicks and McCarthy. Right. That's going to be interesting to see. I mean, cause how we see the, the, the draft board might not necessarily be how the NFL community sees it. So maybe we'll get some hints on that when the combine starts later this month, Roman appreciate you coming on with me. He is Roman Tomashoff. He is the host of, of Locked on Huskies, does a great job covering Washington. He is on the ground, boots on the ground. So do check him out. Check out all our college hosts because they are just invaluable sources this time of year as we learn more about these draft prospects. For Roman Tomashoff, I'm Patricia Trainer, Giant fans, we will see you tomorrow on an all-new Locked on Giants.